Welcome back to Fulfilled Not Full. It's Sam, and it's been a minute. To be completely candid, I chose to take some time to acclimate to my new surroundings and environment. Recently, I've moved and chose to give myself the time I've felt that I needed to unpack and get settled and collect my thoughts, which honestly feels very true to the process of what it truly means to be an intuitive eater. That there is no timeline. There is no linear direction with this journey your journey, your experience. As I've mentioned before, there requires a practice of self-compassion to navigate life through a pace that feels comfortable and calm for you. Even while pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone as it relates to any new endeavor, it serves us to pursue with patience and acceptance of where we are at this moment, as noticing this is necessary to our own self-growth and development. Pushing or forcing ourselves through any journey without practicing our individualized acts of self-nurturance ultimately will not serve us in the long run. These past few weeks, the movement required to transition between homes has left my mind feeling muddled with tasks and responsibilities that are not directly related to the healing journey of an intuitive eater. I say not directly related because our needs, desires, and self-evolution They're all intertwined. So even if we're not specifically watering one area of our growth, it is very possible that we are indirectly watering all areas, even while putting more focus on another. I want to remind you that it is okay to do what serves you and press pause on the things that may not serve you in the moment. That doesn't mean we can't come back to them. That doesn't mean that we forget them. It just means that we're making a commitment to take action on an area that we feel we that we feel will continue to propel our boat forward in that moment. On any given day, any given moment, that area can completely look different. It serves us to notice that, accept that, and move through life with this undertone. I feel that this relates to movement and spirituality and social life and many other areas of our primary food. As a reminder, primary food are areas of our life that require nourishment that do not have to do with food. This is the act of self-nurturance, and that the idea is when we nourish these areas, the need to seek food or obsess and control over our intake starts and begins to diminish. I want to remind you to accept the days you may not be operating at 100%. Maybe that day does not demonstrate you at your best, though that day may demonstrate you performing at the best you can offer for that day, and that is enough because you are enough. With that said, I've been absent from podcasting, though I've been nourishing other areas of my life that help create a fulfilling and purposeful human experience. With that, continuing to use the guidelines of an intuitive eater to support these movements ultimately contribute to my evolution and strength in my journey. And this can be true for you as well. During this time, I'm excited to share some of the movements I've made these past few weeks opportunities that I would previously not have been so open to had my mind still be occupied with food rules and restriction. I was presented with the opportunity to do a five-day stage at Uchi, a sushi sushi restaurant that is a true staple of Austin food culture. This essentially is an internship where I experience kitchen prep and service. One thing I found so beautiful about this opportunity is that uchi is translated from the Japanese word house, 
as the restaurant itself is located in a refurbished South Austin bungalow. And the word house had me thinking, what does a home mean to me? First, I invite you to consider what the word home means to you. What does that represent? Or what would you like home to represent for you? How do you feel or how would you like to feel when you feel at home? How does your body feel? Or how would you like your body to feel when you feel at home? I encourage you to hit pause and take notice of your answer without judgment, simply curiosity. For me, home can mean safety. It can mean feeling comfortable in my skin, warmth in my chest, within my heart and my belly, and provides comfort. I do not need to earn the feeling of home. I deserve, you deserve to feel the feeling of home. We don't need to sweat for it, work for it, be rewarded with the sense of home. We simply deserve to identify a place in which we feel at home. I've discovered that this is what my intention is behind strengthening my intuitive eater. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I know that I can always come back to my breath, my body, and my mind. That I strive to see my body as my home, a space I deserve, a space I do not need to earn, a space that I'm allowed to have an experience insulated by safety, warmth, and comfort. And it is far too common that we allow external forces related to diet culture to invade the sacred space and teach us to hate our home, teach us to not desire our home, teach us that we need to reshape our home and take up less space. Working at Uchi, this house and home, reminded me that cultivating a more connected relationship with myself and with food can best enable me to view my body as my true home to treat it with self-compassion and unconditional love, that I deserve to nurture my body and feel safe in it. Honestly, without the evolving mindset of an intuitive eater, I'm not confident that I would have been able to say yes to this opportunity because so much of cooking is tasting, is working hard, and requires sharp focus on the current task at hand. Previously, I can confidently say my mind would have been preoccupied with counting and recording each taste of new sauces I prepared. I would have not been in the here and now. Rather, I would have been thinking about what I was going to or when I was going to work out next in order to burn off each bite I took while cooking. And even maybe, I wouldn't have tasted my craft because I feared the calories in each bite of food that felt foreign to me, food that I hadn't deemed safe. So because of this intuitive eating journey, I felt that I was able to be present. I was able to absorb and learn new techniques, absorb brighter colors and richer flavors. I felt calm walking into a new environment. I felt open to the possibility that each day may not follow a rigid plan as related to exactly what and how much I was going to eat. Because truthfully, that experience wasn't about the nutrition facts. This experience was about intellectual growth teamwork and creativity, all areas of my primary food that I have not previously prioritized. It is important to recognize that this realization didn't happen overnight, that I've accepted that this takes time and practice. I encourage you to notice this for yourself too, as this journey and the journey of life itself unravels so many emotions, some that may feel positive and constructive and some that may feel negative. 
though during these moments when our inner light feels dim. How can we cope with these emotions with kindness, without destructive self-talk and thoughts, behaviors, and actions? Let's dive into principle seven of intuitive eating, coping with your emotions with kindness. We'll begin by recognizing that food restriction, both physically and mentally, can trigger a loss of control. This in itself may feel like emotional eating. It serves us to identify ways to comfort, nurture, distract, and resolve these challenges. And when I mention distract, it's important that I'm clear that we're not going to be ignoring the problem, that distracting and ignoring are not the same thing, in my opinion. At least in my experience, distracting can mean choosing a path that ultimately serves us both now and later. Choosing to participate in a thought or an action that is nourishing an area of our primary food. I mentioned this idea to a client just last week that we are not our thoughts. And when we notice a thought that does not serve us, trying to ignore or shove these feelings away and thoughts away can ultimately result in feeling guilty or shameful for having these thoughts. Rather, I encourage her to notice her negative thoughts, just as she would walk into an art museum or a gallery, noticing a painting on the wall. Maybe she walks past that painting and notices that it starts to bring up negative feelings, that this artwork is not of her taste, it does not resonate with her. It's not art she would purchase and hang up on her wall at home, and that is okay. Not every kind of art is everyone's cup of tea. Rather than feeling ashamed and guilty that this piece of art exists, we can continue walking through the exhibit. We didn't ignore it or pretend like it wasn't there. We simply take notice and voice, no thank you. I don't subscribe to this painting. It doesn't evoke happiness within me. It doesn't evoke peace. Moving on. Maybe the next painting or even the painting after that, now this evokes happiness. This resonates. Maybe you choose to identify with this art and take it home. Hang it up proud on your wall as it is a true extension and expression of who you truly are. I see thoughts very similarly. When I notice a thought does not serve me, I don't judge that I'm having this thought because I know that I'm not my thoughts. I simply move on until I find a thought or engage in a behavior that will provoke a thought of self-compassion and kindness. Again, to do so, it can serve us to find ways to comfort, nurture, distract, and resolve our issues. Feelings of anxiety, loneliness, boredom, and anger are emotions we all experience as we move through life. Each of these feelings are associated with its own trigger, and each of these feelings are associated with their own solution to pacify. Here's the catch. Food will not solve any of these feelings. Maybe it provides comfort for the short term, distract from the pain, or even numb you into a food hangover. Though ultimately resorting to food to achieve a sense of home will not solve the problem, and in the end, we'll have to deal with the source of that emotion. So let's unpack a little roadmap to navigate a choice that ultimately serves us in the long run while continuing to nourish our primary areas of food. Step one, start with a body scan from the crown of your head, down your neck, into your shoulders and down your spine, all the way through your tummy, into your hips and down your legs and shins, finally to your feet. Notice if you feel either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. 
We proceed through this without any judgment, simply feeling curious of our answer, just noticing how our home feels in this current moment. Ask yourself, am I biologically hungry? If you arrive to a yes, honor your hunger and eat. Step two, if you find yourself searching for food and you're aware that you do not feel biologically hungry, create a moment to pause. Ask yourself, what emotion am I feeling? For example, do you feel scared, anxious, angry, bored? Do you feel hurt, lonely, or depressed? Or are you happy, excited, need a reward or wanna celebrate? If you feel a positive emotion and you choose food to express this, remember you are allowed to enjoy food to insulate these emotions. Because again, it's not about the food. Fulfillment can exist beyond the plate, and by recognizing this, we can still choose to enjoy something while honoring where we are on our hunger spectrum. And I expand on this idea in principle too. Nevertheless, any emotion is your mind and body communicating something to you in a quick way without having the ability to actually speak. So let's take a moment to listen and decode what it's trying to say. To help identify your feelings, I encourage you to spend some quiet time writing in your journal or recording a voice note in your phone, whichever feels natural to you and most comfortable. Maybe it feels easier to become in touch with your feelings with another person, like a good friend or an understanding relative. Maybe you call your therapist or intuitive eating coach. Maybe you even email or text if this feels like an easier way to communicate for you. Step three, ask yourself, what do I need? Maybe you actually need sleep or a hug, some intellectual stimulation, a walk, or some time with your dog to play fetch, or maybe something else. We can see that food doesn't fulfill any of these needs. Step four, in order to meet your needs, ask, would you please dot, 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 Sometimes for our needs, our primary areas of food to be fulfilled, you'll have to speak up and ask for help. Step five, maybe you meet your needs in the following ways without the use of food. Maybe that looks like nurturing yourself with a bubble bath, an amazing solution for me as of lately. I thought I was never a bath girl. Or maybe you listen to soothing music Two of my favorite new Spotify playlists are mindful eating music and peaceful piano. Maybe you take a yoga class or buy yourself some flowers or even some candles. Maybe we deal with our feelings. Acknowledging what is troubling you and allowing those feelings to come to surface. With practice, this will reduce your need to push them down with food. When we notice, without judgment, that they are there, maybe a good cry allows us to flush out the feeling. Maybe an uncomfortable conversation has to be had in order to overcome what feels to be a huge hurdle. Your solutions may look different than mine and different from someone else's too. If it's necessary, provide yourself with a temporary distraction. Again, we aren't ignoring that painting, so to speak, but maybe during our walk in this art museum, we take a bathroom break or step outside just for a moment or two to simply best prepare ourselves to encounter the paintings we don't necessarily like through a calm and peaceful perspective. Ultimately, it serves us to continue walking through the halls, whether we like the paintings or not, 
but we can allow ourselves a moment of a break to create some space for ourselves if needed. Maybe this temporary distraction looks like watching a movie or reading a book, absorbing this podcast, listening to music, doing a puzzle, drawing, writing a poem, and so on. In step six, if you have an episode of using food to cope, see this as a symbol that something is going on in your life that is crying out for your attention. Whatever you choose to do, approaching these behaviors and thoughts without judgment will ultimately serve us. You don't need to beat yourself up for engaging in this behavior. I have to be transparent myself. There have been instances within these past few weeks where I've used food to cope. In my analogy, it felt like I was standing in front of a painting I didn't like, so to speak, and took it all so personally. Rather than feeling upset at myself for internalizing this painting, or quote, giving into my thoughts, I'm approaching this as a learning experience. Ultimately, I moved on. I kept walking, and with continued practice, I'm committed to noticing the thoughts and behaviors that do not serve me and continuing to walk through this gallery. As I learn to cultivate a variety of self-nurturing coping mechanisms for my emotions with kindness, practice, and patience, I trust that I will arrive to a painting that ultimately feels good to look at, a painting that truly feels like a beautiful and constructive representation of my mind and my thoughts. Remember, these are not rules. They're simply not rigid and they're not made to be broken. These are simply guidelines to help support our movement in moments when we feel our emotions are louder and potentially destructive to our intention of creating a calm and safe home. Through self-nurturance and experience, remember that you can trust that you'll arrive to a piece of art that in fact does feel good to look at, so much so that you'll believe in it, acquire it for you to hang up on display in your own home.